The following message has been brought to you by Trinity Baptist Church. For more information, visit us on the web at trinitybc.org. Uh, if you will, turn to James. We'll be there in a minute. Uh, how many people looked in the mirror before they walked out the door? Be honest. Okay, I, that's fewer than I expected. Um, not, a li- not surprised. No, just kidding. Um, but... I have four children, and um, one of them does not like brushes, mirrors, or apparently baths. Um, So it's like they have to pass a sniff test before they can leave. And it's not because we think that they need to dress to impress every time they go out the door, but it is because um, they're just completely missing some self-awareness sometimes. And without a reminder, uh, hey, did you take a shower today? What about yesterday? Isn't that the third day I've seen that shirt in a row? Um, after a little bit, you kind of just say, all right, it's time for you to not smell like foot. Go shower. Clean yourself and come back when you are presentable. Um, I think most parents would recognize, did you have a stinky kid? Anyone have a stinky kid? Maybe you were the stinky kid. I don't know. Um, James chapter 1 deals with this idea of going to a mirror to make sure that everything is what it's supposed to be. Um, I tend to overcomplicate things. Anyone else do that? I do a lot, especially when preaching because I only get so many stabs so to speak, and it's like, well, this one's got to be really good. It really doesn't. It has to be really true. It has to be really accurate. It has to be really helpful, really timely. It doesn't have to be really good. Sorry. Uh, Thanks for letting me go. See, he was supposed to be gone. That way he wouldn't know um, how bad I am sometimes. But uh, we're going to look into this passage. Uh, Let's start with chapter 1, verse 12, and then we'll get into it. I really like this light here, by the way. Uh, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them that love him. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin when it's finished bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any man, if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is likened to a man beholding his natural face in a glass, or a mirror. For he beholdeth himself, and goes his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whosoever looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he, being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, 
This man shall be blessed in his deed. Let's pray and get into the Word tonight. Dear Lord, I thank you for this evening, for the opportunity to open your Word, to uh, hopefully be a blessing with a simple truth from from your Scriptures. Lord, help it to be uh, not something I'm teaching, but something I'm listening to as well. And I pray that you would allow this to be a time of encouragement and possibly a time of challenge. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so this is a longer passage. I show, we're really going to focus starting on uh, verse 17 or so, but I wanted to set the, the context a little bit. I thought about reading the entire chapter, but it's really just too much. The, James is slam-packed full of stuff. I mean, I think our Sunday school worked on it for, what, three months or something, four months, just little by little going through it. Um, this was a while back. But there's so much in it because it's from James. Who is James? Jesus' half-brother. Did you notice the verse we started with was an extra beatitude? You know, we we went through the beatitudes. You thought they were all from Jesus. Well, you're wrong. Pastor, what is a beatitude? Oof. Yeah, see, uh, he's on vacation, but there's no breaks at church. And as Dr. Cash would say, Christians go to church. So, just kidding. Um, I got to, I don't know. I should have worn my shirt. I, if I had known you were here, I would have worn my I love my pastor shirt. Anyways. <laughs> um, anyway, sorry with the sidebar. Um, so, when we're looking at this passage, we see uh, the verse 12, we read this. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. Does that sound familiar? You see, this is the half-brother of Jesus. Do you think he knew a thing or two about Jesus' heart and mind for the believer? I do. I mean, I grew up, I was adopted by my step, by my father uh, when I was about five. I don't exactly remember. I was about five. We don't look alike. We're not the same build. We're not the same. He's about yay tall, and now he's really tiny. He used to be really heavy, uh, but he's gone through some medical things recently. In fact, if you would pray for him, he's dealing with seizures a lot right now and um, could use some prayer for that. He's getting new medication, but we don't look a lot alike. I say his sayings all the time. Like, it's, it's they're on repeat in my head because I grew up with him. I was raised under him. He, he taught me. He, he loved me. He invested in me. And James has that same perspective. Some of his verbiage is the same as the words of Christ that you find in other places in Scripture. So he has the validity of of that. But anyways, we get into this passage, and we see in verse 17 this simple statement. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. I want to start this lesson off with the idea that all good gifts come from God. All of them. That can be a good family, a good job, a nice car, a nice house, strong body, healthy mind, good children, you name it. If it's good, it can go in the category of from above. Does that only apply to believers? No. I mean, you would say there's plenty of unbelievers that have good jobs, good homes, good 
this and that, maybe good behavior, they love their children, love their families, they, they're fulfilled, they have this and that. They're missing things, but they have blessings that are natural blessings. Sometimes it's because they live in a way that honors God without knowing God. Um, if you apply biblical principles, you can sometimes get biblical results, but yet without a godliness. Here we find that all gifts that are good come from God. What about the bad ones? What about bad things in your life? Do those come from God? We like to have inverses. You know, that is where if if this is true, then this the opposite is not true, but... Um, I want to look at this for a second and just say that all good comes from God, all bad does not. Now, this is supported in this passage. We'll look at that. But look at the same verse, verse 17. It says this, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights. This is the phrase, With whom is no variableness. How can you give good and bad based upon your temperament, your weather, what you're feeling, and have variableness. Is it, is it a lottery with God? Well, let's today, I'm hoping to get the big one. I want to get the good job today. I want to have good strength, so I'm going to roll the dice and see what God gives me today. Is that Are we playing the odds with God? I would say this verse says no. There's no variety in God's nature. He's good all the time, whether your day is good, your day is bad, your health is great, your health is poor. You know, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health that we say at wedding vows, that's because stuff happens, right? Where does it come from if it's not from God? Satan, all of it. I think there's three places we can look, and they're, they're in here. But the first one is this, self. Jeremiah 17.9 says that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Uh, if you look at verse 13 of this passage, it says, Let no man say when he is tempted, I'm tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lusts and enticed. Kind of crazy that you can tempt yourself. Say, what do you mean? Have you ever been on a diet, and you went to the store, and you walked down the aisles, and you saw something that really had your name on it. You said, I, I know I'm on a diet, but a little moderation will be all right. I'm, I'm, I'm in charge of me. I am my own grandpa. I am the one in charge here. So I'm going to get this ice cream, and I'm taking it home, and I'm going to put it in the freezer and eat it in reasonable portions at reasonable times. I like the effect. Thank you. Thank you. You all have been part of it. But no, we, we put that in the freezer. I'm going to be good. I'm going to be really good. Has it been long enough? I'm just going to get a little serving. So you go and you get the smallest bowl you have, and you put a scoop or two in there, and you go sit down on the couch, and you're watching a show, or you're reading a book. And you say, a little bit more. I mean wouldn't hurt. You tempt yourself. Is it not true with sin so much the more? We give inches to sinful behavior and they take miles. There's the old saying of sin will take you further than you want to go and cost you more than you want to pay and, and etc. We know this in our head. But then when we're tempted, we say this must just be a trial from God. 
I don't know what God's trying to do in my life, but it must be something big. Most of the time, it's probably because we were just tempted of our own lusts and desires. It's us. It's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer kind of thing, because often I am my own stumbling block. And it doesn't necessarily matter what's going on around me. I can have a great day in, the, in, in my family and then struggle with my attitude. Nothing to do with anyone. Do you agree? Anyways, let's move on. The other thing is can be Satan. We had that one. First Peter 5, 8, a common passage used for this kind of thing. It's the idea that Satan is wandering, looking for someone to devour. It's looking for someone that's an easy picking. When we were in Africa, we went to this lion park, a safari drive. It was a great idea. I loved it. We went on a day that the weather was a little bad, a little overcast. And apparently this means no one else was out there. It also means the cats are bored, really bored. Does anyone have a cat? When it's bored, what is it? Does it get into trouble? Yeah, or how about when it gets mad? So we're driving through this little game preserve. It's relatively tiny. You drive in a gate, and then there's another gate, and you sit in the middle. And then once it's clear, they'll open the other gate and let you in. We got in, no problem. We're driving around. Oh, look, there's the lions. They're being lazy, getting up. That's cool. Get some pictures. And, and we're driving and taking pictures. The kids are in the back. We've got a young baby. I want to say Felicity was three months, something like that. We're driving around. And uh, pretty cool. So we start driving through. We're about halfway through this thing. And the big alpha walks in front of the car in the road and blocks the path. Weird. Then you see over the hill comes four down the side and two from the back. They had circled the vehicle. They stopped us. They were looking for someone to, to play with. And we, they tell you don't stop moving because they like to play with the tires. They like to cut them and play with them and chew on them. And they like the tires. So we kept moving, but this big alpha lion's in the road, and I'm like, I can't hit him. I'm driving a Volkswagen van. It's kind of like um, one of those little, uh, like a Geo Metro, but smaller kind of thing. Or not a Geo Metro, whatever. It's a small van, and we're driving through. And I'm like, well, I better start going. I honk. That'll move him, right? No, he doesn't care. He roars for a living. Like, he, he doesn't mind. So we drive through, and eventually I get right up to him, and he moves at the last second, and he takes a swipe, and he puts four big old claw marks in the side of our mirror. He saw Felicity in the back window, a, I don't know, 15, well, probably 18, 20-pound baby at this point, something like that. What's that? 12, maybe. She was, was she smaller? I thought she was bigger. Anyway, so this little baby, and he thought, that's a snack I could devour. I'm bored. It's there. I'm going to go after it. See, Satan does that in our lives as well. He looks at you as a pathetic little thing in a, behind a, a little piece of glass. And he says, yeah, I'm bored. Looking for whom he may devour. That's the implication. It's very simple. Uh, but there's that. And then also the third thing that we kind of get into trouble with bad stuff is we just live in a fallen world. It's not the way God intended it to be. We messed it up. Adam and Eve before us and all of our generations, we pay for the price of other people's free will and other people's sin. So when we look at the bad in our life, we can't say, 
well, that must come from God too because everything comes from God. That's a very Eastern thing, this whole yin and yang, everything in balance. For every good thing God does, there has to be a bad thing to balance it. And for every act of good, there's a little bad in it. That's not Christian theology. The only person in Scripture to mention um, these bad things coming from God is Job that I'm aware of. It's the only person that says this. And it wasn't a theological study as much as it was an emotional cry, and he didn't have what you and I have in the Scriptures. He was talking to his wife, and he said, do you expect to get good from God and not receive bad as well? That's not theology. That's a man's reasoning when he's going through a hard time. So I submit to you that just because all good things come from God doesn't mean the bad stuff does too. We can't blame him for all of that. So verse 18 says this. It says, Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of first, cru- uh, first fruits of his creatures. You see, if, if all good things from God come from God, according to verse 18, he gives us, uh, he begat us, or, or birthed us, if you will, with the word of truth. This one gift was of his free will and just for his pleasure. This gift is his word. Now, John 1, 1 and the proceed, and the after verses there tell us that Jesus is the word, made flesh, right? That he dwelt among us and, and whatnot, but... The recorded word is a reflection of of Jesus himself. Now, I think that there's plenty of scripture to support um, this, but the living word is a gift of God, and according to scripture, according to this, every good gift is from God. This word that we hold before us is from God. It's a good gift. It's a perfect gift. That's where I want to start. It's just with this idea that you've been given something that Job didn't have. He trusted God, but without understanding. You've been given more than the apostles were given. You've been given more than the, the disciples were given. Now, they got to spend time with Jesus on earth, but they didn't have the compiled, completed Word of God. It was a long time before it was done, and even longer before it was readily available. You have a special gift. See, the Word makes salvation possible. According to verse 18, it says, He begat us with the Word of truth that we should be the kind of firstfruits of His creatures. If you were to look at Psalm 19.7, it tells you that, uh, that the, the Word of God is able to save souls. It's able to bring people to repentance. That's a gift. Obviously, Jesus is the greatest gift. We know that because that's the Sunday school answer to give. What's the greatest gift? What's the greatest gift God ever gave us? You guys tired? It is Wednesday. I'm tired too. Salvation, it's Jesus Christ, His only begotten Son. But like unto that is the written word. Um, Looking at this, verse 18 tells us one thing, and this is where we'll kind of go to the second half here. But who is James writing to when he says, Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth. Is he talking to believers or unbelievers? Believers. Because if you are born of God, that's the begat, then you are a believer. If you are not born of God, you are not a believer. Pretty simple, right? Uh, Now, the reason I want to focus on that just for a second is 
that the following verses then are for us. It's not for the unbeliever in the sense of God is not telling the unbeliever to look in the mirror. He's not telling the the unclean masses to look into the mirror of his word. He's telling you and me, believers, begat into into a, a sort of first fruit of his creation, he's telling us that we need to constantly be looking into this mirror of God's word to see what the real condition is. Now, I, I go to work pretty early in the morning. Most of the time I'm supposed to be driving by 6.20. It's not super early, but I'm up you know, a little bit before then, hopefully. Not today, but hopefully I'm up before then. And uh, I do not check the mirror before I leave. Don't care. I can have bad hair because I'm going to put a hat on. I can have, you know, I can look like I'm tired because I'm tired. I, I just need to have on my, my clothes. I don't need to be ready to go. But you know what? When I came to church, I did something special. I brushed my teeth. You're welcome. I did my hair, put some hair gel in, and said I can't look like a bum. So I did that. I, I made sure... I, I didn't smell like work. I was covered in dust today from cutting a uh, block all day long, just like a white cloud that I walked through. So I, I did this not because of you. I did this for me. Now, my children have to be told, did you take a shower? Are you going to wear that? That's got stains on it. That was said tonight. Uh, you know, where are your shoes? As adults, we're supposed to know these things. So let's let's go into it. So see, if the first point here is that all good gifts are from God, the second would be this: God's perfect word is is a precious gift. Look at this uh, verse. Uh, we looked at John one one already briefly, but if what what do you know about mirrors? They're perfect, right? Do how good is a funhouse mirror for getting ready in the morning? Have you ever seen one of those? You walk through and you you can look like a pear, like a VeggieTales guy, a gourd, or maybe you go through one and you're nine foot tall. Um, they just warp and distort. When we are using things other than God's Word as our mirror, it warps and distorts. But you know, not all warping and distorting is ugly. Uh, on Anyone ever watch Shark Tank? Okay, it, it's kind of a, the premise is these entrepreneurs will bring their business idea and these... Uh, investors will decide whether or not their idea is valid and if they want a piece of it. And they'll say, I'll give you X amount of money for this amount of share and we'll, we'll be business partners and we'll make a lot of money together. Uh, there was one back in like 2008 or something, or no, 2015, that was this magic mirror. It was a mirror that they were trying to sell to department stores that made you look 10 to 15 pounds lighter than you really were. They wanted to put it in every, they were like, we could put this in every store in America and we would sell so much clothes. Every, every department store, every Kmart, every Walmart wants one of these in there. What do you think the investors said? What's that? They laughed them out the door and they said, this is wrong. This is wrong. Now, these are millionaires. Some of them are many, many, many time millionaires. They said, this is wrong. You cannot fool people like this. 
You can't do it. It's not your way. They're going to go in the store. They're going to buy the clothes because you made them look good. They're going to get home and see it in the real mirror. And they're going to say, this isn't what I paid for. Why do I look like this? I look like a can of biscuits. Why am I in here? And they, they looked at it and they said, this is wrong. Why did they take such? You would think they're millionaires. They want to make money. This will make money. Why didn't they partner with them? Because truth matters. When we use things that make us feel good, you ever have a scale that was off by a couple pounds? You know, the old dial ones where you had to like adjust them. You're like, oh, that's my favorite scale. It's, I only use that one because if I use the other ones, I might be shocked. See, truth matters. God gave us a perfect mirror. It's not blemish. It's not tarnish. It's not a funhouse mirror. And it doesn't make us look any better than we really are. It reveals to us the inherent truth that we serve an almighty, holy God who is not impressed with, eh, good enough. Anyways, moving on. Um, See, it's not distorted. If you were to look at Proverbs 30, verse 5, Um, I should have written it down, but I'll flip there. Proverbs 30, verse 5 says this. Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in Him. If you were to look at Psalm 19, 7, it says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. If you were to look through Scripture, you will find day after day, time after time, that God is a holy God, and He expects the same from you and me. And I know this. Just like every day before I go to church, I have to look in the mirror and say, all right, do I look, is my hair on straight? Is my, you know, and I have to check, you know, the last thing I do before I walk in is I say, babe, do I look okay? And I'm not a vain person, but I'm also not, I don't want to look like I, you know, staggered in from work, you know, covered in dust and hair askew. And I look like I've been sweating all day and wearing a weird headset. That's what I look like most of the time. I've got like a band that stays in my hair from it. Um, I don't want to look unkempt. Because what will people think? Friends, what does a holy God think when we don't take the time to look into his mirror once in a while to see if the dust of the day has been washed off? We live in a fallen world. We are the main problem. We already looked at that. I know that I'm my biggest enemy. I have to wash that but how do you know without a mirror? Let's look um, at this. So my, my main point, and this would be the focus of the whole thing, is what are we doing with the perfect gift God has given us? His Word. See, verse 19 shows us what we should do. It says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. See, I think that sometimes, so we should be quick to hear, but we kind of like to be swift to hear and leave. Like, Pastor, it's, 1206, what are you doing? We got lunch. You know, and I am the chief offender for going long on a sermon sometimes. I'm a vile, vile offender. But you know what? I sit in the pews and sometimes I get a little antsy too. Like, all right, I got to go do this, and then I got to do that. I got to make this. Uh, the kids need to, we got to pick them up, and then we've got this thing, and then tomorrow we've got this. And you start going through that, and you're like, all right, let's hear some Bibles zipping up. Do you like that sound? The zipping up Bible sound? I hate it. Uh, so nobody zip your Bible before we're done. Uh, or do it right now to send a message. Uh, anyways, um, we like to be swift to hear and then to say, all right, I'm done. I did my duty. We like 
we should be slow to speak, but we'd really like to hear ourselves chime in. Well, I think. This is what I thought. My dad always said, you know, or I learned that slow. Now, that doesn't mean no speaking. It does mean slow speaking. And then we need to be slow to anger. See, we do like to get our feelings included into it. Well, I just don't like what Pastor said this day. He made fun of me for not wearing a jacket. And I don't know if I'm going to shake his hand next time I see him. And, and you know, see if I say yes next time he goes on vacation, if he's going to be here. You know, we like to get our feelings involved. And God says, slow down when it comes to anger and wrath and worry and all these things. You need to be fast to listen and slow for all the rest. You know, it's the whole, God gave you two ears and one mouth for a reason kind of thing. Friends, I don't know if we are engaging them all the time. See, verse 23 and through 25 deals with, uh, this It's already covered, this is for believers. So with the knowledge that this is for you and me, let's look at this. For if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man beholding his natural face in a mirror. For he beholds himself and goes his way, and straightway or immediately he forgets what manner of man he was. Yep, I look good. Went to church, everything was fine. Uh, pastor said some good words. I'm sure that it was great. Uh, Justin said, I need to find a quiet place. I did that. We're good. And let's go get dinner. You know, we don't listen slowly. Or, pardon me, we don't listen quickly and process slowly. We want to get out that door. We've got places to be. I bring this up because that's me. And I know that not just me. We are the busiest people about nothing. The food's not going to cook itself. Yeah, but it's also not going to eat itself. You'll be fine. Slow down. I know that i got to take some time to look in the mirror. Anyways, let's move on. Um, so there's two groups in this passage that are mentioned. I think there's a third that's not. He mentions the hearers only. And then he mentions the hearers and doers. Um, <clears throat> the third would be those that never see the mirror. That would be my children. They're the ones that like don't bother to look at it. That's not for that's this is for believers. We're supposed to already know what we look like before a holy God. You and I can be redeemed and glorified through God's work, but sanctification is not instantaneous. It's going to take you a while to look like Christ, and the more you let things build up, the harder it is. Alright. Anybody like dentists? Anybody in here a dentist before I throw you under the bus? Um, just kidding. Um, so, when you go to the dentist and they take off all the plaque and they, they do a deep cleaning, can they get it all in one pass if it's been a couple years? No. There's sometimes they say, that's all we can do. You got, we build you for an hour, and this is an hour, and we got other people to see. You can schedule another cleaning for three weeks from now, and we'll see you again. Why is that? Come on, my teeth, how bad can they be? It's the same tooth. Sorry, some of that stuff sticks. Friends, when we live in a dirty world, we have ourselves to blame. We're tempted of our own lusts, according to the earlier verses. When we have a, a Satan who's looking around to see who he can sideswipe and catch a mirror and have a scratch on there for the rest of the time we owned it. We had to explain that when we sold it. Um, we, you, when he's doing those things, and when you live around other fallen people, there, there's times where that stain builds up. 
And if you're not daily saying, where am I at today with God? Where am I at this week? How does this message apply to me? What can I do better to live more like Christ, to look in that mirror of His Word and to see His reflection? What do I have to do to see it? Or, man, that was a good good message, Pastor. Really appreciate it. I, I think that, you know, I really enjoyed the study in the Beatitudes. I really did. And then you leave and you don't think about it again until next week, same time, same place. Friends, Justin, do you remember how he opened on Sunday? Um, I'm not sure if it was the same for the first service, but in the second service, he showed some photos. One was a, a photo of, of him with the, and he says, this is a picture of me. And was it a picture of him? Remember? It wasn't just him. It was the students and him. And what did he say about that picture? Anyone remember? Were you hearers? Uh-huh. Um, just because you weren't, like, already geared into it, it's okay. I'll give you the answer. He said, what I love about this picture is you can see their responses. He said, look at them coming up to the front and praying and being tender and sensitive to the working. And he said, that's not me. I'm not calling them to come up here. I'm not making them come up here. They're just sensitive to it. Friends, I'm not saying we have to have an altar call, especially after this message. This one's not that kind of message. But it is the the reality that he looked at that and he you could I picked up on it. I don't know him that well, but when when he mentioned that, I felt like he was pleading for us to be more aware. We are presented with the gospel with the mirror weekly through pastors' preachings, through the song services, through the the studies that we do in Sunday school and through the works that we do at this church, we're presented with God's mirror all the time that it's calling us to be more like Christ. Are we taking the time to look back? To look in that mirror and say, God, this one was for me. This one hit me square in the eyes. Look at that. Man, how long has that been there? Like You let me go out with this broccoli in my teeth? How come you didn't say anything? You know, and we look at, at our spiritual lives and we say, who cares if my hair is askew? I'm going to work. I'm going to be covered in dust by the end of the day, so what? Friends, this is a time, every time we get to see the mirror, are we doing this, verse 25, who looks in the perfect, or pardon me, in verse 24, who beholds himself and goes his way and straightway forgets what manner God, forgive me for all of the times I've been presented with the gospel or with the message of, of, from the word or with some, some doctrine that's good for reproof or correction or instruction of righteousness from the man of God at the appointed time and I've walked away the same. God, forgive me. All right, that's enough. How do we walk away? How do we honestly look? Do we only like looking at that mirror when the lights are dim? <laughs> like, look at the scale, but only after, you know, you know you ate really good today? Are we, you know, it's kind of like Samson not even noticing that the power of God had lifted him. When, after his issue with Delilah, which was a long ordeal, won't get into it tonight. If you're familiar with the story, he, he was a powerful man of God. 
set apart, dedicated to, to serving God, and was given supernatural power. And then when it was gone, the Bible says that he didn't even know it had left him. And he went out, as he normally did, without knowing he was not what he was supposed to be. It's sad. See, we need to be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to wrath. And James is imploring us to honestly gaze into God's Word regularly to see where we stand before a holy God. He goes in after this to talk about um, people that seem religious and people that have problems with their mouth and everything else. But I think we can summarize the teaching by simply saying this. Have we taken the time to honestly look in the mirror of God's Word and see what's staring back at us? Without the justifications. Well, you know, it's just been a really hard year. I'm really busy. I haven't... I would like to be more involved. I would like to, to know the Word better. I just It's really hard. It is really hard. It's also really simple. Um, or maybe we say, well, who is that pastor to tell me uh, how I have to live? Honestly, he doesn't know who you are when it comes to some of these sin issues. Pastor, I'm going to put you on the spot. Have you ever, 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 picked a sermon based on one person in the church? No. I, I haven't. Well, I, I stand corrected. I did once. You know who the person was? It was me. I said, I'm the one that's wrong here, and I need to teach something. I need to, to make the, we need to, to fix this. And there's been studies that I've done because I knew I was deficient in some area of my life. And I wanted to share from what I taught or from what I learned from the Word of God, I wanted to share that with other folks. No pastor picks you out because, you know what? We're supposed to be holding up the mirror of God's Word. And what you see in it is for you to deal with. Now, that's not to say that we have no responsibility as preachers, but it is to say that where you stand before God is entirely fixable today. God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins when we confess our sins. You have to say, man, I, your word is holy and just and pure and, and perfect, and I've taken that perfect gift, and I've just put it, I don't look at that one anymore. Friends, we're going to be presented with the mirror of God's word another 200 times this year. Maybe not quite. Maybe 150. Let's not look the same on January 1st of next year as we do today. That's all I've got. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for tonight. I know that um, sometimes not every lesson or not every message is for every person. And not every lesson is going to change lives. But Lord, I pray that you would allow me be more faithful to look into your word um, and to be willing to fix that which needs fixing, Lord. Lord, there's there's never a time where you want us to walk away the same as you came. Uh, God, you're faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, but Lord, I believe you're also faithful and just to um, present us with opportunities to come to you. Lord, this message is primarily for the believer, but Lord, for those of us that if there is anyone in here that has never accepted uh, Jesus Christ as Savior, Lord, they've not even seen the mirror. They don't see themselves rightfully, and I pray that you would 
um, allow them to, to see their condition and to know that they are in desperate need of a Savior today. Lord, for those that have, I pray that you would help us to be gracious, or to be grateful for the gift you've given us, and to be more like you tomorrow than we were today. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.